Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Welcome uh, to City of Life Church. I'm Pastor Jeffrey, and uh, we're going to start a brand new series today called Should, uh, the word that changes everything. And I want to just kind of take a little trip the next couple of weeks into something that I feel like is really important um, as a church, every couple of months or, you know, with, with some frequency, whatever that is, we need to address uh, important theological, spiritual topics uh, that are weighty. So not only can some people hear them for the first time, but so that we can remember what it is that we believe in order to properly assess what's going on in the world around us. We hear a lot of arguments uh, that people make to justify certain behaviors in life and it's important as Christians to know that the Bible says that we're different right uh, and so we're different in a good way we're different in a God way uh, we're supposed to reflect his goodness uh, in everything we do and there are supposed to be reasons behind the decisions we make reasons uh, behind why we praise why we lift our hands why we choose to do things that God classifies as righteous uh, so to, this whole series is going to be a dive into that word, uh, the word should. So I'm excited about it. I just want to say once again before we move on how proud I am of our team with I Love My City. Yesterday was a beautiful, beautiful day. Uh, I just love reaching people and ministering to people. I, I don't know if they shared the testimony, but very briefly, I was just blown away. Two weeks ago, I was out uh, at baptisms and met uh, a really sharp young man and his wife. She uh, graduated with a law degree from Florida State. I think he is in the military. But he said that they had never heard of City of Life Church. Last September, saw a sign out on the road that said free gas. By the way, I was spinning that on my finger yesterday. That's If you haven't seen that, you need to see that. That was really important. Uh, it's a very important part of the day is that I could spin a free gas sign on my finger. Uh, anyways, uh, but he, they saw a free gas sign in September and said, what, 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 is this, what do these people want? They, they have to want something. Uh, there has to be something behind this. And he said, so let's go get gas. So they went and got the gas. When they found out that we were literally just blessing people, he said, we have to go try that church out. So I was blown away that not only did they come and gave their hearts to Jesus, he got baptized a couple of weeks ago. It's showing that he's moving forward. I thought that was cool. But then yesterday, when I told that story to the dream team, or to the whole group of people that are volunteering, someone came to me and said, he and his wife are here serving this time. So they didn't just get saved, they were actually serving and changing other people's lives. So thank you so much uh, to our, our, our volunteers and the way you love people, it's just a blessing. I was in tears all day yesterday, everywhere I went, seeing people share the love of Jesus. It was really, really beautiful. My text is uh, Romans chapter one, verses 16 through 23. Rock with me here today. Uh, grab uh, something to write on. Open up your phone. Write down some references. This is the kind of series I think you want to come back to. There's some things that we might say that, uh, you know, may not be the, the, the normal way you talk or stuff that you read on social media or whatever it is that you read. Some of it may feel a little bit heavy at times. Don't get discouraged, though. There's a, a powerful reason behind all this, and I think we're going to come out on the other side of this series with something that we can really hold on to. But Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 23, some of the most powerful stuff in the whole Bible, in my opinion. Paul, uh, by the way, Paul, who used to be a murderer, 
used to be a sinner, used to have the, the worst worldview, anti-God in every way until Jesus encounters him. Jesus meets him where he is. No one preaches to Paul. Uh, this, this is encouraging for you and for me and for all those lost people that are out there. It's the, as a matter of fact, I'm surprised he doesn't use that example in this specifically that Jesus appeared to him. The very nature of God became evident to him through the person of Jesus Christ, the person of the Godhead. He didn't have someone that got him off of his horse. No, Jesus knocked him off his horse. There are times in life that God arrests someone to the, to the degree he will literally, physically knock you off your horse to get your attention. That's what he did with Paul. And Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Okay, now listen. It starts getting into some heavy ideas here. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. I'll get into what that means in just a moment. I'll give you a couple of analogies for suppressing the truth. Since, he says, since what may be known about God is plain to them. Really important here. Just like Paul. It's saying that Paul, before Paul knew Jesus, the gospel was plain to him. Before people walk in this building, you say, I, people, I know people, they don't know God at all. No, it, what, what this is saying is that it is plain to people, to all people. They may not understand the details of, of, of theology. They may not understand the details, but what it's saying is in verse 19, it says, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God made it plain to them. How? Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature, I believe that even means who Jesus is, the fact that we have a need for God, it says, having been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. The things that we see, it says, it, it, God is perfectly clear. Being understood from what is seen and what has been made so that people are without excuse. Verse 21 says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile. Futility is when you do something and it has no, no good outcome to it. So it's saying that they darkened their own minds, they darkened their own hearts by turning off the idea of God, choosing an alternative way of thinking about life and the universe. People invented their own way of thinking, came up with their own standards, shut God out. And instead of God saying, no, 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 come on, he said, okay, if that's the if that's really the, the extent you're willing to go to to completely shut me out, then I'm going to make your, futile, your thinking futile. It's going to accomplish nothing. It's a scary idea. It says, they became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings birds and animals and reptiles. They basically exchanged the beauty of God for stuff. 
It's a world obsessed with stuff. It's a world obsessed with personal satisfaction, trading the immense glory and beauty of God and all that he has to offer for things that we can possess. That's the text uh, for the series that I wanna start out today that's called Should. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. Uh, thank you for your love that is in this room, Holy Spirit. We continue to just invite you to do a deep work in our hearts, bring healing and hope to every situation scenario. I know there are people in this room today, God, that are here and desperate for a word from heaven. They need you to affirm them. Lord, they need your Holy Spirit to move on their behalf and in their heart to let them know it's gonna be okay. Please do that, Lord, with people that are watching online, that are doing this room, I know you will. Your heart is toward us today. You are for us coming to know you and your goodness and your faithfulness. Illuminate truth. Let me deliver this in a way that is truly anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit and everything that's said. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right. Um, you should want, want the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl every year. Okay. I want to say that one more time in case you didn't, in case the people watching online, maybe, maybe something happened with a glitch. You know, sometimes the internet connection will fail a bit and like a word will get destroyed. You should want the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl every single year. Okay, now if that statement bothers you, I'm sure it doesn't bother anyone in the room, uh, why does it bother you? Please don't answer out loud. Uh, all you giant fans that are here. Um, that's okay, I pray for you every day. Um, <laughs> if that statement bothers you, there's a reason why it bothers you. You have some logic you have some presupposition that you've built in your life that keeps you from wanting to hear me tell you what you should do in a particular area that you disagree. No, I shouldn't. Somebody probably right here said, well, I'm from Boston. I, don't tell me who I should root for. I, I root for the Patriots when they were terrible, before Brady came. And, and you're thinking of all these reasons, so you have ideas on why you should do something that you believe that are different from what I just told you. But can I tell you something? From a certain philosophical standpoint called a utilitarian view of life. Utilitarian is based on the word utility, which means useful. And it is a way that a lot of people view morality in the world. They, believe, they don't believe in God. Some people that have a utilitarian view do not believe in God. And their logic is, what is right it is, is what is beneficial for the most people. Or for the, most, the maximum happiness in my life. So a utilitarian would believe, even if they don't believe in God or don't believe in the Bible, sometimes they might believe that it's good for me to help a person that's hurt. Not because there is this thing called kindness out there that comes from God. It's not because there's this universal principle, according to them, called kindness, that I need to follow the absolute objective uh, truth of kindness to be the best person I can be. That's not what they believe. They actually believe that I should be kind 
but only because if I help someone that is hurt, it is fostering an atmosphere of kindness in my community. And then if I ever get hurt, someone will help me. Does that, is there, are you guys okay today? Does that make sense? I'm trying to give you the utilitarian idea. So according to a utilitarian mindset, the reason that you should want the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl every year, and I am not joking with you with this, is this is just a fact. Now, you may not like this, but you can study this. There are more Cowboys fans than any other team. Not, not, not by a lot. They, they, out, they, they edge the Patriots by a little bit. Uh, pretty significant. But they're, they're the number one team in terms of fans. Now, there's a lot of reasons for this. Most of it is because old people like me, before cable existed, uh, there were basically only three network televisions back in the 70s when the Cowboys were a dynasty. And a lot of families from all over the place that didn't have regional teams, that's the team that would be on television. So Cowboys fans sprung up all over the country in various places because they were just on a lot. Like I lived, uh, my dad pastored a church in Kansas City in the 70s when the Cowboys were winning Super Bowls. And we used to watch the Cowboys on TV there. We had no connection at all with Dallas. So it's, it's weird. Like I'm born in Mississippi, raised in Alabama. But I've been a Cowboys fan my whole life. There's a lot of people that are like that for that reason. So according to a utilitarian idea, more people would be happy. Are you following me? So if you're a utilitarian, buy a Cowboys hat today. Just go all in on this idea because what you should always do according to that mindset, if you believe you always make the decision that benefits the masses, then any should you make in your life is based on that deeper worldview that you should do things that benefit the masses. Does that make sense to everyone? Okay, so what I'm trying to do here today is show you what is underneath. Should is a word that reveals our worldview. Anytime you say the word should, it leads to a bedrock. It leads to an idea. It leads to a deeper belief system, and it's revealing about who you are. Something is underneath there, because typically there's another word connected with that. It's like ought, oughtness, the idea that you ought to be doing things. And we'll dig into that a little more as we get further into the teaching. But, but I want to just show you something real quick. Uh, can we put up this picture of this purse? Okay. So just really quick. You're, no one's winning this today, okay? So, so there were some oohs. There were some oohs. Like you're like, oh, they gave away an iPad at Love Strong. No, this is not like that. Don't always assume that. Okay. I'm going to ask you real quick, what color is this purse? What color is this purse? How many people, I just heard white from a bunch, but how many people think it's white? Off-white. Off-white. Any other, any other guesses? Does anyone else think it's blue? Raise your hand if you think it's blue. Yeah, Pastor Justin is completely colorblind and he's yelling out colors. We include you, my friend. We include you. So, so we had a couple people that think it's blue? No? Okay, so, so some people raise their hand and think it's blue. It's interesting because a lady posted this on her Twitter page uh, several years ago and just started getting comments that were just like people would not stop talking about the purse. Oh, you know, why does a, a, a really interesting color for a purse, it's pretty brave to buy a white purse. And she's like, what are you talking about? 
And they're like, your white purse, it's, it's really beautiful. She's like, that's not white. So this purse is actually blue. Purse is actually blue. It's like a light blue. I'm sorry that this purse is blue. But you can go, I'll upload this on my Instagram page later if you want. And you can look, you can look at, oh, they're saying it looks blue on the screen. So whatever you see on the screen is probably the more accurate representation of what it looks like. When I looked at it, I couldn't believe I saw a different picture of it. And I think it's the shadow, it's like the dress picture. That the shadows make your eyes believe it's white. And because it's in the shadow, it changes the color. So isn't it interesting that with something like that that can play tricks on your eyes, two people can be looking at the same thing and have two completely different belief systems about what they see. They, they could say, I swear, I've seen it myself. This is actually what it is. It was a white purse. He showed it. It was white. And, and we can kind of get into that mentality of believing something so much uh, if we can do that with a purse, I think we can even do that with things like God. I think if we can do it with something as simple as that, I think it gets more complicated. Our beliefs about marriage, our beliefs about money, our beliefs about morality and ethics and the way we treat people, about what love is, uh, about the existence of God at all. And you say, well, why would you, why would you talk about the existence of God in church? I'm here, I must believe. I think it's important to know that sometimes people come to church because they want to believe. Sometimes people come to church because they want to learn about God. Maybe everyone is not at the same exact spot in that journey. Uh, I think also it's important to remember what we believe as Christians so that when we meet people that don't believe or, or don't understand, we can articulate what the Bible has to say about those things. So I think that's what we're trying to do here today is realize that there's different views and how do we reconcile uh, what we believe with the way we're living. And are we living the way we should live? Because uh, it's, it's plain. It's plain to people. We know that. The Bible says it. Uh, even though God has revealed who he is, people create their own set of rules. You ever met someone who says, well, I don't believe in religion. I'm spiritual. You ever heard that phrase before? That's like a deep phrase. That's like a deep idea. You say, I'm spiritual. And, and that doesn't really help you very much uh, at the end of the day, if you don't know what that means, it's scary to, be, to be spiritual, to believe that there is something else out there, but to not identify what it is. Is there a God is a fundamental question. It is a really important question that we must ask ourselves. But what is equally as important is the scariness of the answer yes. If there is a God, there should be something that starts quaking inside of us going, whoa, what does that mean for me? If there is a God, if this thing is not an accident, if there is a reason behind everything exists and I'm fitting into this universe, into this world, and I'm actually special, he actually created me in his image, he actually has something to say about my life, he actually has a destiny and a purpose for me? If that's really true, how could I ever think about anything else? Oh, man. Let's not act like the search for God is simply 
a scientific endeavor. A lot of people make it like, well, I haven't seen enough evidence. I, as soon as I came to lay solid concrete proof, I'll change my belief system. And, and we just, you know, people just go through these things all the time. You know, Aldous Huxley, if you ever heard of the book Brave New World, uh, considered a, a, a very forward thinker in philosophy, uh, a high-level intellectual, uh, a very outspoken atheist, he probably gives one of the most honest answers in a book called Ends and Means. And he says this. He said, I had motive. He hasn't changed his belief. He's just being honest about being an atheist. He said, I had motive for not wanting the world to have a meaning. Consequently assumed that it had none. And it was able without any difficulty. And, and I was able without any difficulty to find satisfying reasons for that assumption. The philosopher who finds no meaning in the world is not concerned exclusively with a problem in pure metaphysics. He's also concerned to prove that there's no valid reason why he personally should not do as he wants to do. Or why his friends should not seize political power and govern in the way that they find most advantageous to themselves. For myself, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation, sexual and political. So all I'm trying to say here is that's an honest answer. If you take the position in life that there is no God, what he is saying is there is no reason to not do whatever you want to do. You move the goalposts wherever you want. This is right one day. This is right another day. You should do this. Why? Because I think you should. You should do this because you should never tell somebody else what to do. But wait, you... There is no absolute truth. Hold on, that's an absolute truth statement right there. Saying, telling someone there is no absolute truth is trying to state, right? Am I, am I missing this? So, so, at least we have an honest answer. When you're meeting people, or if you happen to be a person. First of all, I prayed before I started this. These voices, I'm saying, there is no God. I hope you understand. I'm just telling you that these are, these are the types of things that come out of my brain when I'm in the wrong phase, the wrong state of mind. All my life, if I've debated things or thought things in my head, these are the ways that I think until the power of the Holy Spirit arrests me. When the power of the Holy Spirit arrests me and he lets me know I am here, I love you, I care for you, I gave my son for you. We all can get wrapped up in that mentality. We can all try to find all these reasons to justify our behaviors. So I don't want to talk down to anyone who has a different kind of view. One of the purposes of this is not just to encourage people in the room that are Christians already. I want people to know Jesus and, and know that God loves you. So take it, please, from that standpoint. Uh, I care about you. The Lord cares about you more than I do. Uh, and and he, he wants you to be a part of his family. And I, I, I hope that's the ultimate uh, goal of this and, and, and what, what happens at the end of this. But as we move on, I want to share with you an idea that was created by a guy named Al-Ghazali. And Al-Ghazali was an 11th century Muslim philosopher. Okay, and, but he, we share something in common with... Uh, you know, the, the three main religions of the world, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, all share a belief in the same God in that, I'm not saying that it's the same 
uh, it's, it, theologically it's the same. It's definitely not the same theologically. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in one God. So we would all argue, all of those religions would argue for the existence of God. Once you get into Christianity and the Bible, you see that there's nothing in the world, neither of those nor any other religion that's ever existed, even comes close to what the Bible has to say about salvation being exclusively through Jesus Christ and things of that nature. But those religions as a whole would argue uh, for, the, for the existence of God. And this happens to be an argument that he created called the Kalam's Cosmological Argument. This is the part where you could just open your phone right now and start playing Candy Rush or something. Uh, don't do that because this is really, does that even exist? I, I, mean, I don't know if that even exists anymore. It used to exist. Uh, insert cool new game, uh, whatever that is now. I don't know. Uh, but I will say that the Kalam, and Kalam means the science of discourse. So basically it was a way to have a conversation and an argument with someone that did not believe in God. It has since been adapted and picked up uh, Dr. William Lane Craig, if you're not familiar with him, he is a Christian apologist that is a, a brilliant guy, and he explains this idea in a very detailed way. You can see lots of stuff he's done, read his books. I, I have many of his books. Uh, but it, it basically says this, everything that exists, it's three, three different ideas, everything that exists, everything that begins to exist, in fact, that's the important part. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. Could we agree with that? Everything that begins to exist. So if you have a gigantic vacuum and there is absolutely nothing, I mean nothing, nothing, nothing on a cosmic level, nothing in that vacuum, and you were to come back 10 trillion years later, what would be in that vacuum? There would be nothing because you never had anything in it to begin with. What comes from nothing is what? Nothing. Nothing comes from nothing. You can't create something from nothing. And you definitely can't create everything from nothing. So can you imagine the odds of something just appearing out of nowhere? The odds of something appearing out of nowhere that's a random freak accident that creates harmony that creates things that have the appearance of intentionality. I think it's also interesting that in science, people are constantly using the word elegant. And it's just a funny way to me that they describe something. And elegant is something that's got class and it's arranged in a way that's beautiful. That's exactly what our universe is. It is beautiful and it's arranged in a certain way. Can you imagine if someone sat down, the idea of just randomness, it's, it's just unthinkable to try to imagine that from an explosion, we get to where we are today. I'll give you an example, and you tell me if you think this could happen. Do you think someone could, how many of you do not play an instrument? Raise your hand if you do not play an instrument. Okay, I know this is a strange thing to be, you don't play any, okay. This is great, I love the humility, that's awesome too. You're like, I stink at music, I will not. This is great, this is awesome, this is really good. Because that's a good example. Can you imagine someone who has never played the piano, ever, never, once, what do you think the likelihood would be that they could sit down and just by accident play Mozart accidentally from start to finish one song of Mozart? What do you think the statistical, would you, would you say that would be impossible? Or if they sat there enough hours and tried it enough times, do you think they really could play it completely as it was written? 
Okay, how about this? What if they sat down and played Mozart, all the works of Mozart, from starting with his first piece to his very last piece, played every single note perfectly, did not miss one note. Hours and hours and hours and hours and days and days and days go by. They're playing every piece, everything that's supposed to be soft is soft. All the staccato pieces are staccato. Not, they don't miss one note. Would you think that that, is, is that possible? Because it, would, it, it, it wouldn't even take that kind of randomness in order for the universe to exist. I heard someone say that it would take someone doing that trillions of times in a row. Playing all the works of Mozart trillions and trillions of times in a row. And if they made one mistake, the whole thing would not work. The, the universe doesn't get to where we are randomly. When I was growing up, I heard a lot of examples like, can you imagine if you just walked outside a, a steel factory and it exploded and there was a brand new Porsche sitting right there with the keys in it? I'm like, can you do away with this analogy and just give me a Porsche? I, I mean, I'm like 15, you know, come on. That's, that's enticing. Or someone said, it's like, you know, it's like a, a printing, uh, you know, warehouse blows up and, and all of a sudden just completely randomly an unabridged dictionary appears with every word as it's supposed to be. Is, could that be possible? Okay, so we, we know, we really know. You really have to go down a pretty wild road to start arguing that you think that things could just randomly... It has to be that you've already stepped into a belief system. And let's remember what Aldous Huxley said. A lot of times when people choose which path they want to go, they say, I don't like the idea of organized religion. I don't like the idea that men wrote the Bible. We can talk about that later. I don't like the idea that, that human beings edited the Bible and took parts of the Bible out that fit their preferences in order that they could control people and manipulate them and get their money. I get all of those things. That, that's, that's a completely different conversation than saying, is there a God in your heart or not? Do you know that there's a God? We're trying to get to a point right now where we can even establish that there's a God. In this conversation with you, I'm trying to get you to understand that there is a line of thinking where you can have a conversation to at least talk to someone about the fact that there's a God. You have to say, you have to admit nothing just comes out of nowhere. It is a scientific fact. Even atheists admit everything that begins to exist has a cause. This is not an argument with an atheist. It's something that's granted at the beginning of a conversation. They say, yes, that's right. So anything, say that with me, anything, anything. that begins to exist, begins to exist. Has, a has a cause. Okay, number two, premise number two. The universe began to exist. Okay, this is another great part where we can agree with, with atheists. We know for a fact that as Christians, we believe what? In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. That is a beginning. It says beginning. In the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens. You say, well, I don't, I don't, the Bible doesn't fulfill my expectations for dinosaurs. This is a different conversation. I believe that the ark is, is a poet, poetic language. I believe that the whole Genesis is poetic language. Just, can you just relax for a second? I understand that there are a myriad of objections to the Christian faith and the way some people teach it. I understand that. I get that. 
What I'm trying to tell you is before you can get to those objections, which I believe they're answers for, I believe you have to first start at this place where we're asking ourselves truly, how does all this exist? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Those are questions that are in the hearts of every single person. And it's important in these conversations to talk to people honestly about what they think. You know, the universe began to exist. Say that with me. The universe began to exist. Here's the end of the Kalam's cosmological argument, point three. This is the end of it, of, of that part of the argument. Therefore, the universe has a cause. That's all you're trying to establish in that dialogue, to get someone to admit that the universe has a cause. Okay, now... You can go on from that point and say the universe has a cause. And if the universe has a cause, then an uncaused personal creator of the universe exists. Who without the universe is beginningless, changeless, immaterial, timeless, spaceless, and enormously powerful. Now that is a fact. If we're saying that the, the universe had to come into existence, that the raw materials that were created in the, in the universe had to come into existence, then the only person that could create something like that is someone that is outside of the universe. And then you can go on to say, therefore, those definitions that I just gave match the God of the Bible. Everything I just said, the only explanation we can come up with is that is God, and only God fits those descriptions. And I'll tell you something, if there's really a God, it has massive ramifications on how we choose to live our lives. It also means he has values. It means he has truths. He has expectations for his creation. It blows me away that people can think that we're just, it's just random, we just kind of come out of nowhere, just stuff started existing, and now I'm starting to hear that, oh, well, black holes, took everything in and they spit everything out. It's just this big cycle of um, you know, different universes and quantum theory tells us that there could be any possible outcome in any other universe. So we're not just dealing with our universe, man. We're dealing with multiple universes. But, but can I just tell you something real quick? That stuff still had to come from somewhere. Just saying that it's cyclical, that it's over and over. Anything that begins to exist has a cause. And to just say that it always existed is not a real answer. We know uh, there can never be an actual infinite number of things, that infinity in that way is only a concept. So you have to come back to this truth that anything that begins to exist has a cause. I just, I tell you one of the things to me that blows me away when getting back to the Bible here telling us that we know in our hearts. I think it's amazing that human beings don't only know good from evil, my dog never thinks about good and evil. I'll tell you that right now. I know her pretty well. She, she might think about if she's going to, you know, get in trouble or something or be corrected. It's not good and evil. What blows me away about us as human beings is we know good from evil. But can I tell you what's even more compelling than that? We know which one we should choose. It's not just that we know good from evil. There's something that tells us, choose the right thing. And here is the even more amazing part, is that many times, maybe even most of the time, the one we're choosing is not even the one we want to do. 
It might not even be the one that we see short-term benefit or for ourselves. So to say there is no God is to say that there is no objective moral truth. Objective meaning truth that actually exists in the universe. And no matter what you do today, you do tomorrow, it exists. In the way that we have physical truths of the universe, like gravity, has nothing to do with what you believe. It's not like we see people floating around. We go, oh, there's another one that doesn't believe. Well, he's gone. Okay, <laughs> bye. You know. uh, I mean, it's sort of like someone trying to pass a, a law that like fire does not burn any longer. Uh, we, it's, it's illegal for fire to burn. It, it just doesn't, well, if you, it doesn't matter what someone says about it. You're going to burn yourself if you touch fire. It has nothing to do with beliefs. In the same way, to believe in God is to believe that there is no objective, concrete truth. You must make the admission that truth is whatever you want it to be. You have to at least admit that. I do what I want because it's what I want. Then you have to at least admit that that's moving the goalposts around. To whatever fits you at a particular moment. The purse is blue. The purse that you saw is blue. You know, um, we can know what objective truth is because God can tell us. And I want to tell you today, in closing, that there is a way that seems right to a man. Proverbs 14, 12 says that. It says, but... In the end, it leads to death. Sometimes when we follow what feels right to us. You ever heard people say, follow your heart? That's a scary, that's, scary, that's horrible advice. That just gets you messed up every single time. I think that's what that scripture means. There's a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. I say today that we begin to follow reason the reason that comes from our heart that we know. I was listening to um, Richard Dawkins, one of the, the most respected atheists out there. He was, he was in a debate. And he goes, I must admit, I find something in me that wants to worship. I'm like, yeah, it's called the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's like, and me and my friends, we talk about it all this time. We get tempted to want to just worship this beautiful creation. I'm like, why fight, why fight the thing that you know that God has put on the inside of you that wants to give him honor. Why, why fight that? Why not lean in to his purpose for our lives? And today, if you're here or you're watching and you don't know the Lord, I want to invite you back next week as we start digging into these ideas. Some of it will, it's all gonna be based on scripture as I believe, you know, Romans chapter one here is the foundation of what we're talking about. It basically means we know. <laughs> And there's some other ways that we can know. We can know through reason. But what's, what's wild about that argument that I just gave you is once you go down the list and you admit that everything that begins to exist has a cause, do you know what logical truth you end up with? The same one that you end up with by looking at a sunset that Romans was talking about. I know there's a God. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want to tell you, he didn't just create you. You're not just a random blob that crawled out of a lake billions of years ago. And another random blob crawled out of a lake and then there was like three. It, it, no, that's not where you came from. You were crafted and created. The meaning that you search for and that you seek in your life 
when something significant happens to you and you know in your heart it's important. There's a reason, there's a place that that meaning comes from. You know when people do atrocious things in the world. You know that if they get away with atrocious things, hurting people, stealing from people, taking from people, you know that long-term, there's accountability that must be had, justice that must be had. You know they don't get away with anything. We know that. We know this in our hearts. But I think more importantly, we believe that there's something more. And that more that we're talking about today is Jesus. So as we navigate through this series, um, I want it to be done knowing that Jesus is our hope. Uh, Jesus is the most wonderful person um, who, who really knows everything you're going through, cares for you so much. The Holy Spirit is our companion. He's the one that walks with us. The, all those things we're talking about knowing right and wrong and which one to choose. I believe he's with you today, whispering in your ear, and he has been your whole life. He wants to befriend you today and be in your world to show you the meaning and the purpose and the intentionality why we make the decisions we make. Start living today for a reason. I'll just give you a little clue to the future of what we're going to be talking about, but really what should is supposed to be about is loyalty to God. It's God's character that we should care the most about in life. Our shoulds should be about we want to be more like him because he is good. It's not because simply there's this thing that I have to obey. That thing that God says we should be doing is something that reflects his goodness. So when we're doing that, we should be doing it, make sure we're doing it for the right reason, but the right reason is that we want to be more like him because he is good. He defines good. There's some people that talk about these logical conundrums. Does God say something and it's good because he says it or is something good just because God says it and they and people think that you like this is something that no one can get out of the bottom line is God is good and he only leads us toward good it's neither one of those things it's just the fact that he is good anything he does is good goodness emanates from him so if you want to know truth if you want to know goodness today know Jesus Jesus said I am the way the truth and Life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And I went over a few minutes today, but I only did so because I wanted you to feel in your heart the weight and, and, and the hope and the power of this message to know that should is something that you might have said in the past. But I want you to say it moving forward with a different reason, a different motivation. I should because God does. That's who he is. It's who he is. So I want to pray with people here today. If you don't know Jesus, could you bow your heads and close your eyes if you're watching online? This applies to you as well. I'm just going to ask when I count to three for you to lift your hand. Uh, wherever you are watching online, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. People in the room, to lift your hand and respond in faith. On the number three, and I'm going to count and give you a call to action today. A couple seconds to think about. You say, well, why? I need a lifetime to think about this. No, I'm talking about to recognize the voice that's speaking in your heart. Not my voice, but the voice that's speaking in your heart. The Bible says no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That means no one can effectively say Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit draws them. And I believe the Holy Spirit is drawing you to Jesus right now. So if that's you, you're within the sound of my voice. Heads bowed, eyes closed, and you need Jesus to be the Lord of your life. I want you to lift your hand on three. One, 
The Bible says now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person that's here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit. Three, hands up all over the room if that's you. Hands going up in every single section. If you're online, just type in the chat right now, I'm lifting my hand or I need Jesus and the Lord sees you. He sees where you are and what you're going through. I believe the Holy Spirit is moving in your life as well. Could you repeat this with me out loud? Say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge not only do you exist, but I need you in my life. I'm a sinner who is not obeyed your will or your mandates. Change my heart, God. Forgive me for those sins. Let me have the righteousness of Jesus in my life. Let me be your child, Lord, and I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give God a great praise today? Amen. Love you. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.